O-Dog 9-2, Jeff O'Neill at 12-24, a special edition of Yes Guy, No Guy, Charles Oakley at noon. Right now we bring in Steve Simmons. At Simmons Steve is the Twitter account, of course, from the Toronto Sun. Steve, welcome. How are you this morning? A little tired, Jim. <laughs> it's early. Um, so if I'm not speaking that clearly or loudly... You'll understand. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate you joining the show at the, you know, and it is eight o'clock there. Um, you know, this story for me, I, I, I really would like your perspective on it. This story for me is there's comparable parts of it that can be related related to the past, but but really this is a, a new age, a new world, and and it's kind of a unique story that way, isn't it? Because it it reaches levels that couldn't be reached before. I don't remember a championship team essentially being built in one season. And that's what makes, I think, this story so remarkable. And I think that's why it grabbed people and and pulled them along for the ride, so to speak. And that's why a whole country got engaged with something. And, um, you know, a lot of times you see teams build, you know, to whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. They build and and they change and they do all that. Well, about 11 months ago, you know, Masai Ujiri decided, or 12 months ago, decided to fire Dwayne Casey, who was the coach of the year in the NBA, and replace him with Nick Nurse. And not long after that, um, they made the deal for, uh, for, for Kawhi Leonard. And I'll be honest, that was a mystery of sorts. You know, we can sit here now and say we knew what was coming, but he was a guy who was playing for maybe the best organization in the NBA. And he was a bit of an outcast. And he was, you know, he wasn't taking their medical advice. And they were fighting all last year. And he disappeared on his teammates and, and, and his team. And, and there was all kinds of clouds around him. And yet he came to Toronto and, you know, through the load management program that was instituted by Alex McKechnie, um, played 60 60 games in the season and didn't miss a playoff game. And, you know, I, I, here's, here's the amazing statistic in all of this for me. Kawhi Leonard led the playoffs in scoring. If there had been a game seven, he would have had the most points in NBA history in the playoffs. Hmm. He's now third. You know who's one and two? Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Wow. That's what we're talking about here. Maybe the two greatest players ever. And, yeah. and Kawhi is like a few points away from either of them from his playoff run here. That's the kind of run he had uh, throughout. And he came here again. Did we know whether he'd want to play? Did we know whether he'd be healthy enough? Did we know if he wanted to be in Toronto? Did we, and there were so many questions. And I think that's what makes the story even sort of deeper than, than it would normally be is you run through all of that and you run through the other people they added and you run through, you know, Marcus Gasol being the final piece and, 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 and beating, you know, a very, very good Philadelphia team in seven games on a shot that's still bouncing. Um, and, you know, and, and beating the Milwaukee Bucks four straight. Four straight. They're the best team in the NBA. They beat them four straight uh, after losing the first two games. And then in this series, you know, on the one hand, you watch the Raptors and, and the brilliance and and the you know what this team has has been and, and grew into as champions, and what uh, on the other side 
you sort of watch the end of the Golden State dynasty. And I think it's, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Durant. We don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with Clay Thompson. Both are out for long times going into free agent season. So it reminds me a bit of when the New York Islanders won four Stanley Cups in a row and then got swept by the Edmonton Oilers in, in, in 1984. And, and that's, that's what this reminds me of. You, know, you saw the sort of passing of the waves. What we don't know here, and that's what's fascinating, and, and we'll be talking about that for days to come, is this a one and done, or is this something that could be sustained? And the answer to that all begins with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi and, and also Masai Ujiri. I mean, you know, they have to keep him. Uh, there would be tons of interest in luring him away. I want to go back to what you said about last summer. You know, I, I think there was a, there was a sort of mixed emotions as, as uh, Raptor fans approached last summer, understanding that it was another disappointing exit and things had to be done. And then when things were done, they they appeared to be a little too drastic. But you understood who was making the decisions, and you understood that in the past he didn't he hadn't hadn't messed up. In fact, he had a, a lot of uh, interest interesting thought process before he made any decision before and so you were sort of secure that Masai Ujiri would make the right call through his front office having said that you couldn't have predicted how it would play out and, and now that we know how it plays out that's a phenomenal story well making the right call is one thing making the right call that turns into a championship year is an, almost another extreme and and in the dressing room last night the champagne was flying around and Everybody was screaming and celebrating. Masai Ujiri sort of held court for a group of us who have been around the team for a long time. And he, he remembered. He looked at me and he said, you said we'd never win a championship. And I told you we would. And, and it was interesting to me because that was on the day he was hired. And it was like, why are you leaving the Denver Nuggets to come to this sort of historical mess? And... Now there's a possibility, although remote, I believe, of him leaving, because Larry Tannenbaum said last night that he's like my son. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, in the celebration of the moment. But uh, uh, Masai came in on the first day. He was hired, and, and it, was, it was shocking at the time because it wasn't expected. Brian Colangelo was the general manager, and it wasn't expected to see him come in and, and some of us didn't know his name very well or who he was or what he accomplished or anything like that other than he was another guy in the NBA and and he came in the first day I'm going to bring it to I mean everyone says it right yeah saying it and then doing it two different things and that's that's again part of I thought game five was like one of those epic games that you could like write a novel about and then game six came and game six was better and yeah. You know, the emotion of last night, last night at Oracle Arena, you know, Clay Thompson going down at the end, um, you know, the, the fans being shocked, I think, by what was happening. There were so many different things going on. And then watching the players individually, like you're watching, you know, a 13-year veteran in Kyle Lowry celebrating his first title. And, and an old guy like Marcus Gasol who's, you know, been in the two Olympic gold medal matches and uh you know and pouncing around like a kid and and he's he's one of those sort of deep thinking kind of people and and to watch him just you know it was like all of his happiness was coming out at once he was he was just bouncing around and 
to, to watch a seven footer with a smile that wide and, and bouncing around. And I walked by him and he, he, he gave me one of those playful, you know, sort of shoves. You know, it, it was the we did it shove. Like, and, and, and he'd never had, he's never had a good run in the playoffs. He's been around the NBA and his, his brothers won, but he never got a chance to win. And, 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 and then you see Chris Boucher from Montreal who didn't play it at all in the playoffs, um, draped with a Canadian flag, you know, the pride of being the first Canadian player to win a championship with a Canadian team. And you can go almost person by person. There's individual stories, there's team stories, there's country stories. There were 59 viewing um, audiences last night across Canada. From, from Abbotsford, B.C., all the way across to, to the East Coast. You know, and when I hear things like there was, there was a viewing audience in Red Deer, Alberta, I don't think of Red Deer, Alberta as being basketball country. Uh, and I said to Masai, you know, can you believe how Canadians have responded? And he, I said, you're their team. He said, no, we're the world's team because there was more than 59 of them in Africa. Huh. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, this might be, by NBA standards, probably the biggest collection of improbable storylines uh, which may do a disservice to the roster because it's a really good roster, but there's a lot of things here that, that work that, that wouldn't normally be done in other cities, uh, in other franchises, and, and that would include the head coach and, and maybe Masai himself. I mean, this is a, a really unique collection in my books. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Again, Masai touched on this last night. An African general manager, a coach nobody really had heard of from Iowa, uh, a GM from Hawaii, uh, you know, your star player is this mystery, robo, um, unemotional, you know, the, the most unique in the Me Too world of, uh, not Me Too, sorry, in, you know, in the Me, Me, Me world of the NBA. You know, Kawhi Leonard is, a, is, a, is, is you know, a square and a round peg. Or, or, I'm mixing up my analogies here. I apologize. Yeah, I, I know uh, what you mean. You know, he's just, he just, he's not a celebrity. He doesn't play the part of a celebrity. He doesn't want to be a celebrity. He wants to win basketball games and get rich, make a lot of money. That's what he wants to do. Um, and and uh, and so you can go through outlier after outlier. You know, you've got a a player from Cameroon, a player from the Congo, uh, a player from Spain, a player from Montreal. Uh, you know, a tough guy from Philly, like. It's such an odd combination. You know, what, what were the Golden State Warriors? You know, Steph Curry from North Carolina and Clay Thompson from, you know, USA Basketball and, and you know, Draymond Green. There's a lot of guys going to the Hall of Fame on that team. Yeah. You know, you've got probably, you know, and Kevin Durant, the best offensive player in basketball. Unfortunately, we only saw him, or fortunately for the Raptors part, we only saw him for a, you know, a reasonably short time. And, and there's a whole mess surrounding, you know, what happened to him and his Achilles and who said what and who decided what and how did it all come to be. But they have two players now. You don't expect Durant to be back, you know, about a year from now maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe 10 months from now. Um, Clay Thompson, eight months, 10 months from now. Um, there's, you know, and now they're free agents. So they're free agents in a situation where if you're Golden State, do you sign them? Do you not sign them? Like, who's going to – do you not pay? Do you wait a year? Do, you, like, do these guys get paid? How, how is that all going to work? 
you know, and they were the big, they were two of the real big prizes, you know, out there and available. And Golden State has been this staple team with, you know, five trips to the finals in a row. And you can see if, if somehow the Raptors can keep Kawhi, you could see this turning into more than one time. Especially because in the West now, with Golden State having sort of relinquished the crown and with all the injury situations, like what, you know, maybe the, you know, whatever happens with the Lakers and LeBron, you know, and who they end up with, whether it's Anthony Davis or whoever else, you know, are they going to be the team? You know, in Portland had some pieces and, and are they going to be the team? And, and are any of these teams, you know, going to be able to handle a pretty deep Raptors team with Kawhi? You know, because Pascal Siakam's going to get better, and you, you probably Fred Van Vliet's going to get better, and and you know you, they're going to have to make decisions on you know Danny Green, for example. Um, so there's still some basketball decisions to be made, but in the meantime, you know, let's enjoy this. This is Toronto, Jim. This is the part that just still blows me away. <laughs> we've been we've been we've been hanging around this city a long time, yeah, um, and it still seems surreal to me it still seems like this maybe didn't happen and i'm gonna wake up tomorrow and 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 none of this actually took place like just you know we've had so many years of maybe you know can't wait for next year and you know what what are the leafs going to do what are the raptors going to do and what look at the god-awful state of the blue jays right now and 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 all that we're used to that yeah we're used i hate to say it we're used to losing Mm-hmm. We're used to being disappointed when they don't win Game Seven against Boston, whichever year it happens to be. Um, now it, the whole story changes, and, and the whole story changes. And a team has won, and in the world of social media and Instagram and all those things we live in now, the whole country got engaged, and people saw people having fun outside of of, of, of the air, not the Air Canada Center. It's now the Scotia Bank Arena. My bank um, at the Scotiabank Arena. You see all the people outside. And they're thinking, I, I don't want to. I don't want to watch at home by myself. I'm going to get out and engage with other people. We're going to turn this into a party. And it became a party outside the building. And it became a party in Mississauga. And it became a party. You know, they had a they had a, a Jurassic Park out in Kansas for Fred Van Vliet, and two thousand people showed up. That's how this thing's caught on. Wow. Steve, really? The, oh, by the way, in the, in the middle of all this, Nick Nurse had a baby and Fred Van Vliet had a, you know, had a, had a baby. You know, just, again, more, more things to add to the story. It, it's a phenomenal story, and it's not going to go away. And really appreciate the extra effort you gave us this morning. Thank you, Steve. All right. Be well, guys. Thank you. Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. At Simmons Steve is the uh, Twitter account. Um, I was actually on News Talk 1010 this morning, and I was uh, preceded by the mayor of Rockford, Illinois, which is where Freddie Van, v, uh, Van Vliet is from. Freddie Double V is what I call him. And there were 6,000 people at a viewing party there for Freddie Double V. So uh, this is a, just a phenomenal story. It's not going to go away, and it's so joyous that, you know, unlike what we normally do is what happens next, uh, the Kawhi thing, you know, where does it, is there another championship? This is so enjoyable that even though that's sort of somewhere in your mindset, it's not predominant. It's just there. You know, you're going to read about it or deal with it at some point, but you are enjoying the moment. 
And uh, it's just an absolute thrill. Coming up next, we'll get into sort of the, the front office ramifications, what, you know, what the Raptors have done, what this means to other people that are trying to build a championship team and all that front office stuff. We have Bobby Marks, the ESPN front office insider next. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Oh, yeah, happiness in the air. Raptors Shootaround continues. TSN 1050, Jim Taddy with you until 1. Leafs Lunch has the day off. Matt Cause takes over after that. Then the Overdrive crew will sum up just a joyous celebration for the Toronto Raptors and fans coast to coast. And uh, more so, of course, the one centered in the city of Toronto. Let's bring in Bobby Marks now, ESPN front office insider at Bobby Marks 42 is the Twitter account. Bobby, how are you this morning? I'm good. You guys are probably doing a lot better than me, though. But uh, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're you're the front office insider. I mean, I I always like these stories. From I'm a big guy of how did this happen? How was it constructed? And fortunate enough to be around uh, as Messiah Jury walked in the door, and you saw the man's vision. Um, he was just always very transparent and 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 forthright and delivered on what he said time after time. It's to me, it's it's kind of a unique story that way, and and how he went about it. What's your read on all that? Well, it's unique, especially where you have a roster that just won a championship and did not have a lottery pick on that team, right? So, I mean, in a day and age when teams are bottoming out to jockeying themselves to get top five picks here, here's the team that, you know, he took over in, um, you know, I, you know, I guess 2012 around there, right? That, um, yeah, you had yeah. Kyle and you had DeMar and, and Valanciunas, certainly some you know, players there. And then you basically crafted it the way you wanted it. And I always say, I always go back to that Rudy Gay trade of, of 2000, um, 2013. And that kind of set the wheels in motion as far as, you know, what you thought you saw Masai was going to do with this, uh, this team. And then, you know, how he was been able to draft the role players that he's been able to add. And then of course, when you add, um, when you add Kawhi, uh, in Danny Green last summer, you know, that just kind of, um, you know, changes the landscape here. And I think it's it's probably a, a good lesson for teams going forward that you don't need to build your roster around a, the big three or maybe even the big two, that if you have one all-NBA type player like Kawhi is, top you know, three player in the NBA, and then you have really good get players that know their roles and identity and um, that it can work. And you can get a, catch a couple breaks down the road. But, um, but I think that that's I think it's probably a lesson learned for everybody that you don't need to go out stargazing after these max guys that if you can kind of, um, you know, add the right players, um, good things happen. Now, this is kind of a weird question, and, and Raptors fans may get upset at me because I think they're, they're thinking that this is going to go on for a bit, and I'm not going to rain on that. But is there a Raptor-like franchise in terms of the way the roster is set up and, and who the front office is that, that could sort of duplicate what the Raptors have done? <laughs> Yeah, they're probably not going like, to like what I'm going to say, but I would think it's the Los Angeles Clippers of how they've kind of constructed that. Uh, and I worked with Lawrence Frank for a long time in New Jersey, and what he's been able to do is the, as the president there now, and then uh, they've got a strong front office, they've got a strong ownership group, but they're missing that all-star level player that can kind of get them all over the the, you know, the top there as far as what the roster is they have and and uh, and they've got the you know so we we know they've got the money to go out and spend it on a on a player so yeah I think if it's um, if it is the clone of the Toronto Raptors it is um, it is probably their uh, their their nemesis in a couple of weeks the uh, Los Angeles Clippers yeah the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes right. Well, yeah, I mean that's where we're that's where we're heading towards, right? I mean that's kind of, and I think you know I wrote about it in the in their off season article that's on on ESPN.com. It's you know Kawhi's, you know, I, it's not 
you know, we'll remove the financial end of it, and yes, he can earn um, a lot more money by staying in um, by fifty million more by staying in Toronto. But I think it's a matter of him having trust and faith and front office, and he certainly has trust and faith in that medical staff there that's that you know got him through a season and how he played at the end. Um, that what the roster will look like, you know, past uh, not not next year, but after nineteen twenty, you know, when Kyle and Serge and Mark are going to be free agents. Um, certainly a comfort level as far as what Masai um, can kind of build out here. Uh, in terms of, uh, I guess we're into perceptions here, uh, just because if I go back in Raptors history, we had people like McGrady, Bosch, and, and Carter that were really big stars, but they all moved on. And I think there was a fear here that, that we would never, the, the Raptors would never have that star player again, or whether, whether they drafted him or not, it was going to be a, a short stay and out. And, and in effect, that, that could still happen with Kawhi, although there is a, a championship to celebrate. But in terms of NBA perception, uh, both from you know, ownership level, in the league and, and from player perspective in terms of this being a landing spot, that would have to change significantly with last night's win, wouldn't it? Oh, I think it's it's changed significantly in, in the, what we've seen in the playoffs. And I think, it, you know, being part of that Nets team in 13-14 and, you know, going up there and, and playing in that first round, I think we started to see what, what could happen um, if you have a good team. Um, I think, you know, winning helps a lot. And when you have a fan base, like not even a fan base, a country behind the team and the support you get, and then you have the resources from ownership in the front office. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Toronto should be, should be mentioned with all these big market teams. Cause now I think it's a lot of, a lot of it's about going to a winning culture and, and having an organization that you have a chance every year. And so, yes, I think, I think certainly the perception if it hadn't changed, changed when, you know that start. You know we started it, this in um, you know mid-April and it ended last night. Uh, this might be another tough question, just because of you know what we said about uh, what you said actually about uh, you know what what would keep Kawhi here. Um, obviously, everybody knows the, the names. Uh, you know, we go with Alex McKechnie, the the sports science guy, who was a, a big factor. Uh, the approach that Masai Ujiri had, the ownership is you know one of the owners has said that uh, Kawhi Leonard's like a son; he's not going anywhere. So, so I mean, you could you could match or, or come up close to the dollar figure and maybe assimilate some of the things that that the Raptors have offered, but. It, is there are the Clippers set up the way the Raptors are? I guess is the question. Well, they are, but here's the thing that you know when you made the trade for Kawhi in July, that you had a full year, basically almost a full year to in-house recruit him and sell him on everything from your front office and most importantly your sports science department here. Um, and he's got a relationship with this group already. Then it's it's a lot different when you walk into a meeting on June 30th or July 1st for three hours, and they are trying to pitch you on something that you know nothing about, that maybe you've heard about, but you're basically going to commit that to that organization and a, a you know a four-year commitment on, on blind faith. It's not like he was he's being traded there and he doesn't have a choice. I think that is going to be the big thing where he needs to weigh. Um, and where we are today in sports science, you know, everyone is kind of starting to get on a level playing field here, but he he's seen it firsthand the last you know the last 11 months here what what they can do for toronto um i can't say that for sure if he had gone to another place and they're asking him to play 75 games in his workload and carry this team here um i don't know if, if we would we i don't think we would have seen the same type of quiet leonard that we saw in the postseason yeah it's just there seems to be a level of caring here that might not be duplicated elsewhere you know what sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side 
And I, you know, and when you, and then when the ability to win a championship and the ability to, let's face it, I mean, if he's back next year, this team will be favored again to win a championship. And I think, you know, certainly with Durant and, and Thompson likely out next year, um, and we'll see how the East shapes up. But yeah, they'll be the prohibitive favor to win a, a championship. And if it's for basketball related reasons only, then yeah, it's it's Toronto. But we'll we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. When you go through all the decisions, and, and really over the last 12 months, it's really centered on, on what happened after last season going into the launch of the next season. When you go through all those decisions that Masai Ujiri and his front office made, what is the most startling one to you? Probably the head coach. Yeah. And, and I think, and I wrote about it when they lost in, to Cleveland that, you know, we were probably at a, a change. And, I, I, hey, I, I think Dwayne Casey is a heck of a coach. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I think you saw what he did in Detroit here. But you get to a point here when you, you know, you kind of you run into a dead end here. And was it Case's fault that they couldn't get past Cleveland? Not, not necessarily, but you do need sometimes a different voice here. I, I think that the, the biggest thing is that, you know, that Masai, I think the, it's more gutsier than the Kawhi trade is that you hired a rookie coach who to inherit a championship team. And that's kind of the big, I think that's the big thing that stands out for me. And, and, and I thought that Nick was, was going to be the X factor this season as far as how he was going to be able to lead this team because, you know, anything other than getting to a Eastern Conference Finals probably wouldn't have been looked upon as acceptable here. So I think, I think what Nick has been able to do and, and lead this team, and it's not, you know, certainly not easy being under the microscope and when you get to, when you get to the playoffs here. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me that stands out. I would agree with you. I mean, you know, when, when you look back on it, I always uh, I questioned that Nick Nurse was the guy. I thought it was, I thought it was actually an ex-player who wasn't that far removed from playing because I, I thought that that was the missing piece that somebody who could call a huddle and say do it this way and, and everybody would buy in. There seemed to be some sort of a lack of buy-in at the key moment in the previous regime. Nothing against them, but it just seemed to be a disconnect that way. But what they got was a guy who was as thorough as you could be and as open-minded as you could be and. Very positive. I mean, the layers of what he did at key situations, uh, sort of um, off, uh, like off the charts in terms of the box and one. I mean, brilliant, uh, stunning stuff, isn't it? Well, and even yeah, I mean, what he's able to, and he adjusted. You know, what you know, some you know, coaches get stubborn. <laughs> I mean, they do. As far yeah. as you know, it's it's a game of adjustments here, and you kind of realize that hey, this is what when if Thompson and Durant are not in the game. This is kind of how we need to guard Curry, or even the fat little things like you know when uh, Dan, we'll start Danny Green to start the game, but when we get to the second half, you know Fred VanVleet is our guy. To, you know he'll come, uh, move into the starting uh, lineup here, and just kind of pushing the right buttons. Especially last night, you know you look at what Marcus saw, and I didn't think Marcus saw was very good in the first half here. And I thought you know we were going to probably see a heavy dose of of, um, of Serge Ibaka, and I think we did. I think you know Serge certainly finished. Uh, played a strong game, and um, and Mark did have his good moments in the second half. But it's it's just kind of you know mixing and matching, finding the right um, finding the right lineup out there, not panicking when Kawhi was out of the game here, managing his uh, managing his minutes. I know, you know, he, he was um, highly scrutinized for the timeouts in, in Game Five, but you know that's that's you know we're in a I guess a Monday morning quarterback league right now where everybody gets to something here so um but i thought he did he had a heck of a series and um you know especially for a rookie coach bobby thanks very much really appreciate your time you're welcome thank you bobby marks at bobby marks 42 is the twitter account espn front office insider Uh, certainly some unique storylines 
O-Dog will join us at 12.20 playing Yes Guy, No Guy. And I wonder what the jury's percentages are on that. But he's going he's gonna to be here, and I'm ready for him. He should know that. Uh, Nav Badia, the uh, superfan, will be by with us very shortly, trying to track him down. Uh, he was obviously there last night, and really, uh, you know, he and Drake and a lot of other people sort of typify that the Raptors... Uh, celebration when you watch them play he's there drake's there uh, and and it's part of the happening that the, that the raptors are uh, when they uh, perform and uh, entertaining to say the very least uh, this raptors franchise they become the first nba championship uh, winners in, uh, in in terms of this they they join what i'm trying to say is they join the 89 pistons and 2014 spurs as the only teams to win it all while preventing their opponent from a three-peat so there's a lot of uh, select company that the Raptors join with that performance last night. They joined the 1948 Baltimore Bullets against the same franchise. They were known as the Philadelphia Warriors back in 1948. So the 48 Bullets and the 2019 Raptors, the only teams to beat a reigning champion when making their NBA Finals debut. Sometimes we forget about that, right? First time to the Finals and you win like that, uh, you know, Arad, it's uh, quite a story. There's, it just keeps going on and on. 1948 Baltimore Bullets. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Well, the Huskies That's were crazy. around then. The Huskies, absolutely. The Huskies <laughs> were around, yeah. That's just phenomenal, isn't it? I, I think that might be Nab there. Okay, so Nab Badia will join us, the, the super fan who is all over this story and has been literally from the start going to be a pleasure to hear what he has to say at the top of the hour charles oakley the former raptor will join us and uh, we'll be able to, to reminisce it wasn't nav okay sorry about that i thought it was things are working out so well i thought we would just seamlessly go into that what we should do probably is take a break and and do a reset this is raptor shoot around tsn 1050 tsn 1050.ca also available in the tsn and iheart radio apps Raptors shit around. Jim Taddy with you until 1 and Matthew Cause takes over. The Raptors are the champions. 114-110 win the series four games to two. Kawhi Leonard series MVP. What a joyous celebration last night. Joyous occasion in front row for all of it. Nav Badia is here. Nav's the super fan. How are you, sir? I'm amazing. I'm really, really blessed and I'm really uh, I'm still in San Francisco here. And uh, just going through it, living the moment right now, and uh, uh, a dream came true for me for after 24 years. Now, Nav, I think you would have expected the way that game was going, that, and there was a sort of a stuttered end to it because of uh, a timeout call that, that didn't exist, and so you could prepare yourself for the moment. But when that buzzer went, I mean, what, what were your emotions? Well, it was unbelievable, and it was a relief that we we are not going to, we are not going for the seventh game in Toronto mm. because we always have not been treated right in the finals in the final you know like uh, to have that stress on us and under pressure. But you know what? This was amazing, and uh, so grateful to the Almighty, to all the the organization. Happy for them and the fans and uh, the players and all the previous players who have worn our jersey, Raptor jersey. I'm so happy for each one of them. And moreover, I believe this series has done more than just brought us the championship uh, to Toronto and Canada. It has brought all Canadians together. And that's the highlight of my particular in this series, that all the Canadians today after this series are more together, more loving, and you know what? Make Canada a better place. I, I like the way you said that. I mean, it's, it's a joyous moment shared by all and uh, united a country. And, you know, at a time there's a lot of fear in the air. It, it, it didn't exist last night. And it was just great to see everybody have fun. 
Yes, everybody is just having it, and let's keep on enjoying it in a proper way, in a safe way. Yeah, we deserve it, you know. We are going to have the parades, we are going to have the parties for the next few days. Let's do it, but do it in a right way, in a safe way, without breaking any rules and regulations. So I'm, I'm sure you went through a lot of memories. I mean, you would enjoy the moment. You'd be happy for the people right in front of you, but I'm sure you thought of, of other people along the way that, that you have either met through your uh, fanship with the with the Raptors or, or players or, or people that have been around that you would have talked to uh, in your courtside location. Who did you think of last night, aside from the people that were right in front of you? Well, last night I thought of Vince Carter a lot, and I met him on the court side. I, I I told him that we, you know, you are not on the team right now, but this is because of you. Because I do think that if uh, uh, Vince Carter brought us to the map, to the basketball map in the world, and he go, gave us a lot of glory, and if we VC wouldn't have been there, I believe our maybe would have faced the same result like Grizzlies did, but. I'm so happy, and he was so happy for us, and congratulated me, hugged me, so did Tracy McGrady, so did Chancey Billups, all these guys. But let me tell you, the classiest thing which happened to me last night was when the game was over, the first guy, because I was sitting on the just behind the bench, Warriors bench, and uh, the first guy who came and hugged me and congratulated me was Coach Kerr of Golden State. Oh. He came, gave me the biggest hug and said, Super fan, we have lost, but I'm glad that you have won and you have become a champion because you deserve it. Your dedication to the game of basketball is unparalleled by anybody I have seen. So that was, those were his words. And the same thing, I talked to uh, uh, Steph Curry for uh, like uh, about five, six minutes, seven minutes after the game when they were ready to go home and all that. I, you know, So he said the same thing. So Del Curry said the same thing. A lot of people who were there, just amazing, you know, the way they did. And I have to tell, I have to give kudos to all the Golden State fans who have given me so much love. And I'm not saying 10 or 20 thousands and thousands of fans who in their gears came and took a picture, gave me a hug, bought me a coffee, bought me a lunch, and also offered me that if I ever come to the Bay Area to stay with them, all the ushers in the arena, wherever I was going, I was getting a hug and hug and all that. I tell you, they treated me like it was my own home. Now, when Steve Kerr came over, I mean, you must have been absolutely thrilled. That, that What an experience that would be. Oh, my God. You know, he wrote me a message on a towel, on the Golden State towel, and I'm going to cherish that for the rest of my life, the message. I'm going to probably frame it. It's an amazing. I'm going to maybe share it on the Instagram later on. What an amazing man, and uh, I've seen him as a player, but what a classy, classy guy who came and gave me the love of you know, and hugged it after you lose. You don't, you know, you go just to the locker. You're, you know, you're not happy. You are angry about it. And you go, he comes, took this couple of minutes to hug me. That's stunning. Uh, you know, you have seen all this happen. And now that you have the, the joyous moment of the Raptors being the world champions, the NBA champions, you can look back when you, and I don't know if you've had time to do this, but, but obviously this has had a great impact on your life. How would you sum that up? Well, this is a dream come true. 
I mean, I've been there when they won 16 games. I've been in the arena when there were only 7,000 people sitting, you know. Mm. I've been there when nobody wanted a Raptor ticket. You know, you give a Raptor ticket, they said, no, we don't, we don't have the time to go. So I've gone through all in the 24 years. We have, uh, uh, you know, uh, seen some low time, but then a lot of, lot of low time. And this is the, this is amazing. And the beauty is, the way it has united all Canada together. That is my highlight. And I thank Almighty that it has given us the opportunity to unite everybody through this game of basketball. And through my foundation, I'm encouraged now with the, my Nabatia Superfan Foundation, I'm going to uh, you know, build some basketball courts in the tough areas and continue helping the underprivileged kids because this country has given me everything. Canada is the best country in the world. It's heaven on this earth. And I'm going to continue with the opportunity given to me through the love of the people and I'm going to continue doing that to the community and the society and try to make Canada a better place than it is already. I mean, you, you sort of said it there. I was going to say you're a humble guy and a grateful guy from all appearances, and, and it seems like uh, this has had an effect on you, and, and uh, you mapped it out there. You're just, I mean, you could see the change in yourself, can you? I can. I think it has enhanced my, I mean, I was doing this, and now I think it has given me more confidence and you, you know, I'm humbled by this. I'm really humbled by this that they have given me. I'm getting an opportunity to help the community, which has given me everything in my life because I came with nothing here and I got everything. And now the love I get from the people from not just our Toronto or Vancouver, wherever I go, but the love I get, I got in Golden State. It makes me pinch myself that if this is happening and people telling me that you are, we go on your Instagram, we read about you and we are understanding and you are this and that. I'm telling you, I'm getting more love than I deserve. Nav, on the way out, what do you want to say to Raptors fans? Well, I want to say, guys, yes, it was the players who won us. It was the organization. It was the coaches. But let me tell you, Above all, it was you, the fans, coast to coast, sitting in that Jurassic Park in the rain, and also those 20,000 fans who were supporting with their loud cheers, and that gave energy to these players, and that's why we have the championship. So I believe you are the biggest at biggest factor of us getting this championship to Toronto and Canada. We are proud of our fans. We are the best fan in the league. Now, thank you very much. I really appreciate you stopping by. Nice of you to do that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nav Badia, the super fan, and what a story. I mean, mean, everybody has their own version, but he's in the front row, right, and and has been there all these years and has uh, just enjoyed the moment last night. I mean, we all had our our versions of that, and that's the great thing about this Raptors story. It has so many layers. It touches so many people in so many different ways, and that's a little thing we like to call joy and celebration. Sometimes we forget about because of all the other stuff that goes on, finally to have something to, to celebrate and enjoy and do it the right way, which was done uh, quite frequently and in most cases 
last night, and, and we'll continue on. As we know, the parade will be, uh, uh, sorry, I was going to say Sunday. Wow. Monday morning at 10 a.m. at Exhibition Place and wind its way to City Hall. First up with Michael Landsberg and Carlo Koliakovo will be uh, from Nathan Phillips Square, uh, starting uh, their coverage at 6 a.m., followed by the o- Overdrive guys, uh, Brian Hayes, uh, O-Dog, and Jamie McLennan will continue on. Parade starts at 10 a.m., and we'll have wall-to-wall coverage all day on Monday on TSN 1050. Uh, let's go back, and uh, actually, we should do this just to have a little fun. Uh, Arad, let's do the, the calls. We opened the phones up last night, and, and we've had some interesting moments on the air to say the least are these all are these individual we've got three of them there or are they stuck together individual okay so let's start with it and this was on with with andy after it from two to six andy mcnamara took over from uh, me and matt cause from two to six this morning this is suzette from scarborough and she has something she wanted to say to Kawhi leonard Kawhi me over the ocean, Kawhi me over the sea, Kawhi me the NBA championship. So bring back my Kawhi to me. Yes! Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi's a champion for that Oh, that Kawhi, Kawhi. It's still going, I love it. Kawhi's a champion for that Oh, that yeah. So is that from Scarborough? There's some sort of a competition where that could work. Um, and we, this was a call that, that we got, uh, Matt Cause and I, in our post-game coverage. And it goes like this. Daddy's naked. No, Daddy's naked. Daddy's this, naked. Yes, this, what was his name? Shay? The guy, the caller? Because I had the wrong Shea name. Shay from New Zealand. Yeah, Auckland. He's calling Auckland, from Auckland, yeah. New Zealand. He was on the phone. 12-hour time difference. 12 hours. So that was at, uh, what, about 1.30. So it meant it was 1.30... Friday afternoon, and as it turned out, Shay was in his shower on his phone. Naked and, for some reason. And his, his, well, I don't know. If the water wasn't on, so I'd, you know, I, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. Then his son came in and said, Daddy's naked. And at that point, uh, we deferred to, uh, to Shay and said goodbye. Uh, it was just kind of a weird situation. Uh, do we have the other one? The, this was another caller we took last night. Right, man. Those shots are good. Those shots would get you pregnant. Those were good. <laughs> Okay, that was sort of the, uh, the the vapor of what was going on last night. Everybody was happy, and like I say, just a few minor incidents dealt with. And uh, this, I mean, everybody involved in that celebration last night, certainly here with the the officials, the police department, uh, all the uh, the the city officials that participated in this and and made it work, and, and the people. And it was just great to see downtown. We would have the CP24 visuals up in our monitors here, and it was li- literally. Uh, there wasn't a square foot left. It was just all people walking around and having a good time and, and enjoying the moment. And, and again, you realize that doesn't happen very often. And certainly the, the opportunity of it happening in today's world is a lot less. So that's something to be very proud of and enjoy. And, and again, it continues on with the parade on Monday morning starting at 10 a.m. But our coverage on TSN 1050 will start at 6 in the morning. So, Arad, uh, coming up in the next hour, we have Charles Oakley. We have O-Dog. Uh, with a special edition of Yes Guy, No Guy, and then the final segment, and then then we're done. Uh, you know, we'll be able to chat towards the end of it, but uh, I've, I've had a real thrill working with you, and, and it was just a, a great run. Two and a half weeks we did this show, and, boy, it was, I mean, I don't know what to say. It was just a, a great time, and, and obviously it's uh, supported by a championship win, but, boy, when you look over the ground that we covered over the last two and a half weeks, and that's the, that's the final chapter in the book, it's been a great run that way, and a lot of story stuff here to talk about. It's been fun. It's been absolutely amazing. First of all, working with you has been 
way better than advertised. You're a fun guy to be around. You're a great mentor. And as a young producer, I couldn't ask for anything better. So thank you for everything, Jim. And second of all, just the whole story. I mean, who knew when, again, Dwayne brought it up. Who knew when huh. we lost to Orlando in game one that <laughs> me and you will be sitting here having this show, just having this massive celebration and sharing it with the whole city of Toronto. Yeah, So, and there's another book title. And by the way, thanks for what you said. It was a pleasure to work with you. You're very helpful. And sometimes you'll say things in my ear to help me along, which people don't, don't get. But I appreciate that because I work with people that don't do that. And, and that's always, uh, it's just better that you enjoy the positive. And you were very positive that way. But if you think back, the, the one book title could be, it started with Kyle Lowry going over and DJ Augustine with 25 points. And it ends up with Kyle Lowry uh, being handed the trophy by Serge Ibaka, who took it out of the hands of the three owners uh, on the podium. And uh, he had 26 points last night. It was a going concern. Shot 9 of 16, 4 of 7 from outside, 4 of 6 from the line. He had 10 assists, uh, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. And this guy was, I mean, he, he willed it, didn't he? He stepped up. I mean, he said he plays better on the road. And... It's rare that a player says something and they go and exactly do what they said. And he went and did exactly what he said. He quarterbacked the team to a great victory. And, like, this guy, his whole career, the question mark has been, can he play in the playoffs? Well, he can. Yeah, and really, he typifies... Uh, this is the face of the franchise in that he was there for the disappointments and is there for the success. And I think if you watch him play, uh, you saw him rise. You saw him mature, really, throughout the course of the year. Coming up next, Charles Oakley. This is Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.